The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by Dole Food Company, the world's leading producer and distributor of fresh fruits and vegetables. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I want to welcome military service personnel who are joining us on the Internet today, and also new listeners in Chicago, Seattle, and San Jose, and throughout the great state of Arizona. Thank you for being with us again. My guest this hour is former United States representative from Massachusetts and arguably one of our nation's most prominent gay public figures, Mr. Barney Frank. Frank retired from his House seat earlier this year following one of the most productive careers in government. Often described as a workhorse and a brainiac, Frank has been a lifelong civil rights advocate and has a distinct and unapologetic view that the government must help its people and that the hands-off approach advocated by conservative peers makes collaboration in Washington very difficult these days. Before Frank joins us, I do want to mention that he was born and raised in Bayonne, New Jersey, and is a graduate of Harvard Law School. In 1968, while studying for his Ph.D., Frank became the chief assistant to Boston Mayor Kevin White, after which he served as an assistant to Congressman Michael J. Harrington. Then in 1972, Frank was elected to the Massachusetts House of Representatives. He served until 1980 when he ran for the United States House of Representatives and was victorious. And since that time, Frank has served in Congress for 32 years. Most notably, he acted as chairman of the House Financial Services Committee and was a co-sponsor of the Dodd-Frank Act, which led to sweeping reforms in finance. Frank has been a consistent advocate for pro-choice, individual privacy, gay rights, and other civil liberties. And in fact, the ACLU gave Mr. Frank a 93% rating on his pro-civil rights voting record. Unfortunately, there isn't enough time in a short program like this to do justice to Frank's service. So let me just say that whether you agree with his position on the issues or not, one thing we can all agree on is that Mr. Frank has left an indelible mark on public policy during the past few decades. Uh, I understand from my engineers that we've had some trouble connecting with Mr. Frank today. There, uh, you know, one of the interesting things about radio is, of course, we don't have any screens. You can't see what's going on. And they're waving at me and they're saying that Mr. Frank is... Uh, been disconnected, and we had some technical difficulties, and I guess they're just uh, getting him on the phone. One of the things I do want to point out is that Mr. Frank was the first congressman to come out of the closet 
And uh, and he did that under a great deal of duress. I don't know if people know the story, but uh, he a fellow colleague of his passed away. And when they passed away, the press sort of jumped on the story. And, uh, and they were curious about whether this person was gay or bisexual, or and there was a lot of speculation going on. And I think that there were many members of government, including Mr. Frank, that saw that kind of speculation going on after the person had passed away and, uh, and really decided that that wasn't for them. That wasn't something that they would like to see have happen. And so uh, it was Mr. Frank's decision, and it was a very difficult decision at the time, to go public uh, with his uh, sexual preferences. Um, I come from a time when that was really no one's business, but uh, that's probably sounding a little old-fashioned to listeners who tune into the Costa Report. They might think I'm a little stodgy about that. I understand that we do need to protect the civil rights of all citizens, but it, it, I, I did enjoy a time when, um, when things were maybe not quite so out in the open. And if that makes me sound a little old-fashioned, well, then I suppose I am a little old-fashioned. Uh, and I, I plan to stay that way. <laughs> While we're waiting here for the connection with Mr. Frank uh, to, to get uh, fixed, let me just say that I know that the recent overturning of the Defense of Marriage Act was a great victory for the gay community. Although there are many people, including many lawyers, who have now taken a careful, a more careful look at the Supreme Court decision and feel that it may not have gone far enough, I do want to point out that uh, there are only 12 states which allow same-sex couples to marry in the United States, which leaves 32 which do not allow it. And, uh, and really, the Supreme Court's decision punted back, allowing uh, the same-sex uh, marriage uh, initiatives that were passed in 12 states to stand. Uh, that's quite different from saying that, uh, that, that those civil rights are protected. And so uh, I think there are going to be any number of court cases which will challenge uh, different aspects of, that, of the overturning of DOMA. Um, so I do, I do want to point out that the Supreme Court in some ways did not do such a direct interpretation as was hoped for by the gay community. Uh, nonetheless, those that were married or continue to get married in those 12 states that do allow same-sex marriages, um, those marriages will stand and uh, they will be allowed to inherit and will property to each other, share the same benefits that uh, that opposite-sex marital couples do. And uh, from that standpoint, uh, there was great clarification for those 12 states. Again, there are 32 states which do not allow that to happen. So we'll see if that movement takes place in those 32 states as well. Um, I do also want to talk about a little bit about uh, Mr. Frank's record in the House relative to financial reform. Uh, Mr. Frank came under a great deal of criticism during the subprime mortgage fiasco. And, uh, and one of the reasons that he did 
was because uh, I think he and the Democratic Party and Republicans joined the sentiment of wanting to uh, provide a pathway for all Americans to be able to own their own home. It is my belief that uh, you heard an earlier host talk about unintended consequences. I think frequently we go down a path to legislate something with the best of intentions, and uh, and often there are horrendous unintended consequences. Some would say that that may be the case in, in terms of nuclear power. Uh, some would say that's the case in uh, in other kinds of laws, and certainly. Um, Some will say that that's the case in the Dodd-Frank Act, which was designed uh, to overhaul the uh, laws regulating financial institutions. There are many people that feel that that went too far and that that has caused uh, credit to seize up. Um, It's very difficult for people to get home loans today. And there was almost a little bit of an overreaction to what happened during the subprime mortgage fiasco. But if you try to go get a home loan today or or even if you have a successful business which is expanding, you might find it difficult to be able to get what used to be a line of credit or uh, used to be a uh, a loan against your receivables if your receivables could be verified. And that in turn has made it difficult for employers to be able to expand, and part of that expansion is adding jobs. So we have to understand that when we go too far in over-regulating financial institutions on the kinds of loans that they can make, uh, that that does cause money not to flow. And when money doesn't flow, uh, then we have uh, a constriction that happens, and it makes it very, very difficult for even companies that want and wish to expand and and, uh, add additional jobs makes it very difficult. So I understand we have Mr. Frank uh, on the phone. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go to our commercial, our normally scheduled commercial break. And when we come back on the other end, I do promise you the one and only Congressman Barney Frank. You're listening to the Costa Report. Be part of the conversation and join us on Facebook. Take advantage of special opportunities and interesting insight while sharing your thoughts on the topics discussed on the Costa Report and beyond. Like us at Facebook.com forward slash Rebecca D. Costa. That's Facebook.com forward slash Rebecca D. Costa. This Legal Minute is brought to you by Nolan, Hammerly, Etienne, and Haas. Experienced attorneys providing professional legal services to the Central Coast for 85 years. Hello, this is attorney Stephen Wagner with your Legal Minute. Have you ever said to yourself, there ought to be a law for that? Well, often there is. In today's segment, I will address the issue of distracted driving, and here's my opening salvo. Smartphones make dumb drivers. Of course, I'm talking about all those other drivers. The laws vary from state to state, but there is one common thread. These laws were legislatively put on the books because of the outcry of concern over drivers who are texting, talking, emailing, and tweeting. Distracted driving is nothing new. 
we used to look at the cows and pastures. Now we take photos with our smartphones. In California, there are over 20 million licensed drivers. 20 million. Here's a scary thought. Just think about how many of those 20 million own and use cell or smartphones. I can't possibly cover all the laws in all the states, but I can say that the trend is to prohibit or sharply curtail some uses of smartphones while driving. Whether this leads to a new species of liability remains to be seen, but one thing is clear. With each new feature and amazing breakthrough in technology comes a new and tempting distraction. As new laws go into effect, it will be interesting to see how this impacts the law of negligence. I predict that these new laws will expand the application of important negligence concepts, such as duty, breach, and causation, thereby creating more liability theories. While we marvel at the great advances in technology and the cool things that our smartphones can do, they just keep on getting smarter. But do we? This is Stephen Wagner, and that's your Legal Minute. Brought to you by Nolan Hammerley, Etienne & Haas. Selected in 2013 as one of the top law firms in the United States by Martindale Hubble. It is fun, so get up and go for it. Take the family, take the friends, take the entire neighborhood to the rip-roaring racing fun at Ocean Speedway in Watsonville. Friday night, it's USAC night number three, and the third annual Howard Cading Classic will be loud and fun with USAC Western 410s, USAC Midgets, Bay Area Dwarf Cars, Sport Mods, and Wingless Sprints. Adults $20, seniors $19, and kids $15. Details at OceanSpeedway.com. Ocean Speedway is located at the Santa Cruz County Fairgrounds, just two miles east of downtown Watsonville on Highway 152. Get up and go for the loud, raucous, rip-roaring racing fun this Friday night at Ocean Speedway. Have you ever watched a group of motorcycles roar on by and wonder, who are those guys? Where are they going? Well, now you can eavesdrop in on their biker world right here on KSCO 1080. A half hour of biker news, clues, and interviews with me, Biker Bob, and some of the motorcycling world's interesting celebrities. Biker Bob Radio on KSCO 1080. Don't miss Biker Bob Radio every Sunday at 3.30 right here on AM 1080 KSCO. Remember, that's Sunday at 3.30 on KSCO. Hey, Dad, how do you throw a curveball? How do you build a fort? How do refrigerators run? How do fish learn how to swim? Kids ask a lot of questions. How high can you jump? But you don't have to know every answer. How many phone numbers are there? Because you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. How do cell phones work? There are thousands of children in foster care who don't need every question answered. What's electricity? They just need you. What's the moon made of? For more information on how you can adopt, go to AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I understand we have former Congressman Mr. Barney Frank on the line. Mr. Frank? Yes, I'm here, and I apologize. Uh, I'm not as well-staffed as I used to be, and uh, unfortunately, my assistant did remind me, but a little late, and that's my fault. No, that's okay. We're, we're so happy to have you on the program. In just a moment, we're going to be talking about the uh, Supreme Court's decision to overturn the Defense of Marriage Act. But before we do, let me ask you how you're enjoying your retirement. Uh, very much. Um, the, the major thing is the absence of uh, responsibility, frankly, for really 45 years, beginning in the uh, 
Last part of 1967, I went to work in a mayoral campaign and signed on as a mayor's chief aide. Um, I've been voluntarily responsible for trying to resolve problems, mostly problems that I didn't cause, although occasionally I suppose I was a little responsible. And, uh, you know, you, you live knowing that the phone's going to ring and it's probably not going to be somebody saying, I just wanted you to know everything is wonderful and mother feels good and that government's paying the bills, uh, people come to elected officials and, and, and appointed officials with problems. That's appropriate. We're in the grief business. They come to us to solve problems. And after a while, frankly, that kind of wears me down. And then I did spend four years as chairman of the Financial Service Committee uh, just as the financial crisis hit, and it was exhilarating and uh, uh, exciting and, and exhausting. So uh, I just looked, there's a dispute going on now in Washington about an effort uh, to cut back on some of the regulations we put into the financial reform bill. Specifically, we think that American institutions that engage in derivative trades in foreign countries should be regulated by America if the local government isn't doing it, because that has a negative impact on us. That was the story of AIG. And there was an effort to roll that back, and I uh, got involved in trying to protect it, and uh, uh, it reminded me how happy I am that I don't have to do that very much. Well... You know, when people are going 24-7, as you did, uh, it's difficult to step away because you get used to running on adrenaline around the clock. Um, so how has that adjustment been for you? All to the good. Uh, okay, <laughs> as, as, as to anticipate the next subject, I married Jim uh, just a little over a year ago. Our, our anniversary was last Sunday. Yes. Um, when I met him, frankly, and we started dating, we started dating just when the financial crisis hit. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said at one point that uh, uh, he uh, he was jealous of the airline attendants because I was seeing a lot more of them than I was of him. Mm -hmm. And um, finally, uh, when I announced in, July, in November of 11 that I wasn't running again, we were able to really get together. And since I retired, we've really been able to be like a normal couple spending most of the time together. And, and that's great. Uh, and I'm nothing. I am writing a book. I'm giving speeches. Uh, uh, speeches are lucrative to be honest. I would have told you uh, a few months ago that you couldn't pay me enough to sit and have a civil conversation with Well, it turns out you can. And, uh, <laughs> I, uh, and I did. Um, so I, I, I'm active at a level that, that keeps me engaged. But it's, it's when I want to be as it is. Hello? I think about things in general. I'm sorry, did I lose you? Yeah, we, we seem to be having still a little bit of trouble uh, with the telephones there, but I'm sure the engineers are well, working. Well, wait a minute, let me, I, let I'm me sure make they're sure working I on it. maximum volume. Yeah, there, there, there's just a little beeping sound or something that's going on there. Um, you know, one of the reasons I'm asking you about adjusting to civilian life is that... Um, in one interview, you said that you were pretty tired of the stupid problems in Washington and went on to explain that most of the issues we have are not structural, but you felt that they were more of a deliberate desire by some to see government fail. But now that you've had a chance to really step back and observe as an outsider the infighting and negotiating that goes on, do you see some structural issues that need to be tackled now? Yes, one in particular and then maybe a second. The first one they're going to deal with next week, and that's the Senate filibuster. Mm -hmm. The United States Constitution never anticipated that you would need an extra majority to pass legislation 
They did say you needed two-thirds to convict the president of impeachment, to ratify a treaty, put them in the Constitution. But under very established legal doctrine, when you say that you need two-thirds on these very limited occasions, that clearly means you only need a majority in every other case. And the, the Senate filibuster used to be used only rarely. Uh, people said it was to uh, protect minority rights. In fact, historically, it was used to defend the oppression of minority rights. It was mostly a southern weapon against civil rights legislation, which Lyndon Johnson finally managed to overcome uh, 50 years ago. But the filibuster is a major reason for the gridlock that frustrates people. When we were doing the financial reform bill, and we had a heavy majority in the Senate, but Senator Dodd, a great legislator, would say to me from time to time, we have to compromise on this, we have to weaken that. Why? Because one of my senators insists on it, and I need 60 votes. And this requirement of 60 votes rather than 51 gives everybody uh, who's looking to do something almost a gun to hold you up with. So, so effectively, if you need 60 votes, the, every bill gets watered down to get to the point where they can get the 60 votes. Absolutely. And some of my liberal friends said, well, you know, we can use it too. But that doesn't make it right. Look, the Senate is already non-majority. You know, uh, you look at the vote on the... Uh, uh, background checks on guns. The senators who voted no disproportionately represented Montana, Wyoming, the Dakotas, senators with very small populations. If you had waited the vote in the Senate, which of course you can't do under our Constitution, it would have gotten 70 to 75 percent of the vote according to the population. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's already a protection for the smaller states and, 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 and the political minorities. When you add to it a 60-vote majority, uh, that just is a, is a violation of basic procedure, but it's also democratic procedure. But it's the major reason why people get frustrated. The other issue is congressional redistricting. And the fact is that, especially in the last election, although Democrats have done that in California in, in the past, for example, but at this point, the Republicans in 2010 districted, for example, in the South, they made sure there were two kinds of districts. A small number, which were represented by African-Americans or, in Texas, Hispanics. Yes. And a much larger number that were represented by white conservatives. And the thing is that the, the minority districts are overwhelmingly liberal. The Republican districts are overwhelmingly conservative. And in particular now, the Republicans, especially in the House, look, they are balking at the Senate immigration bill. They wouldn't pass a, a, a comprehensive farm bill. It's because Republicans in the House are still worried about re-election, but in the primary, not the final. And that's been exacerbated by the redistricting. I would like to put redistricting in the hands of nonpartisan commissions in every state. Well, that brings us to another subject, which is, is there such a thing as a nonpartisan commission anymore? Well, that's a good point. <laughs> Um, I mean, they I start out that way, but they don't turn out that way. And, and you know, we've been down well, this road some, before. In some cases, they do. At least let's put it this way. That's a very sound point. But you wouldn't get a systematic bias. Yes, there would be some bias. But right now what happens is the Republicans were lucky. The best year the Republicans have had electorally in a, electorally in a very long, long time mm-hmm. was 2010. That happened to be the year when governors got elected and so they took control in a number of states. And but the Democrats have done the same thing when we had control. I'm, I'm not making this a partisan point. Right. It's a structural point. If we had nonpartisan commissions, 
Some of them would be biased pro-Democrat. Some would be biased pro-Republican. And that would be better than having the, the danger of a one-sided partisan thing. I, ag- uh, I completely agree with you, Mr. Uh, Mr. Frank. We have to take a short commercial break. We'll be right back and we'll just pick, out, pick it up uh, right where we left off. You're listening to the Costa Report. If you listen to the news today, you might come away with the impression that our biggest challenges are political and economic. But if this were true, then countries which have different political and economic systems would be facing different problems. But they aren't. Every government and every nation is struggling with job creation, debt, immigration, climate change, terrorism, health care, energy, and wild swings in financial markets. So something else must be going on. That's why I'm inviting you to get a copy of The Watchman's Rattle, a book which shows how the Roman, Mayan, and Khmer empires once faced similar challenges and what we can do to avoid their fate. Visit RebeccaCosta.com today and get a copy of The Watchman's Rattle, because once you do, you'll never look at the world the same way. Severino's Bar and Grill in Aptos is always busting with excitement. You'll get a family atmosphere, casual dining in or outdoor on the patio next to the koi pond and waterfall. Tasty salads, appetizers, and affordable entrees. Happy hour every day from 3 to 6. If it's live music you enjoy, they have it Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights. Sports? Watch the games on the five flat screens. Severino's Bar and Grill is a great place to meet friends and family. Severino's Bar and Grill, inside the Sea Cliff Inn on Highway 1 in Aptos. Cliffin.com. If electricity flows through it, you can save a lot of money by doing it yourself with the help of the experts at Santa Cruz Electronics. Hello, Charlie Friedman here. Listen to the things your friends and neighbors are doing for themselves with the help of Santa Cruz Electronics. Microwave repair. Robotic arm with controller for e-shed industrial arm. Tesla coil for my rail gun. Dead tricks upgrades. Drive for a telescope. A tube amp for my guitar. Submersible sensors for NASA. Ethernet cable for my new iMac. Solar-powered gate. Instrument panel for an airplane. Wiring my hot rod. Upgrading PC system. Help with home wiring. Custom audio cables for recording studio. High voltage electronic ignition circuit. Building a spaceship. If electricity flows through it, you can save a lot of money by doing it yourself with the help of the experts at Santa Cruz Electronics. Voted best electronics store two years running. Call Santa Cruz Electronics today at 831-479-5444 or visit at 2808 SoCal Avenue in Santa Cruz. Do it yourself and save money Money with the help of Santa Cruz Electronics. Yes, it is loud. It is raucous. It is fun. So get up and go for it. Take the family, take the friends, take the entire neighborhood to the rip roaring racing fun at Ocean Speedway in Watsonville. Friday night, it's USAC night number three, and the third annual Howard Cading Classic will be loud and fun with USAC Western 410s, USAC Midgets, Bay Area Dwarf Cars, Sport Mods, and Wingless Sprints. Adults $20, seniors $19, and kids $15. Details at OceanSpeedway.com. Ocean Speedway is located at the Santa Cruz County Fairgrounds, just two miles east of downtown Watsonville on Highway 152. Get up and go for the loud, raucous, rip-roaring racing fun this Friday night at Ocean Speedway.
Tune in to Georgia Wednesdays on KSCO Presents from 12 to 2 for the freshest conservative voice to come along in years. Born and raised in South Carolina, Georgia has a sweet southern charm backed up with the tenacity of a junkyard dog as she speaks her mind about the direction of our country and the elected leaders responsible for that direction. So make it a date for lunch with KSCO Presents Georgia every Wednesday from 12 noon to 2 p.m. on your Listen and Be Heard radio station, AM 1080. KSCO. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is former Congressman Barney Frank. And before the break, we were discussing the need to change filibuster laws so that proposed legislation doesn't get watered down in order to get the votes needed to pass, and also about a bipartisan committee to investigate the issue of redistricting. The filibuster has to be changed by a vote of the of the Senate. Mm-hmm. The uh, the bipartisan commission is to get rid of the political bias in congressional districts I see. so that you don't have uh, one set of districts that are overwhelmingly one way and one set that are overwhelmingly the other. Okay, so on the congressional districts, we talked a little bit about how those are now being manipulated, right, to favor certain yes. candidates. And, and I think everybody understands that that's been going on for a while now. <laughs> Oh, yes, it's called the Gerrymander, and it's named for yeah. former governor of Massachusetts, Elbridge Gerry, <laughs> yeah. who served in 1812. So mm-hmm. it has a long pedigree. I have to say, though, uh, while I, I agree there's a partisan sharing of the blame here, it's gotten worse because of what's happened in the Republican Party. The Republican Party has moved further to the right uh, than the Democrats have to the left. In fact, the Republicans are today a more... Uh, uh, tightly run, ideologically, fairly uh, sharp-edged party than we've usually had in America. You know, people like, uh, uh, well, let's look at the immigration bill, where the Senate did pass it, although uh, only 13 of the uh, 46 Republicans voted for it. Mm-hmm. But in the House, where the Republicans control and under House rules decide what bill comes up, uh, the great majority of Republicans are repudiating, for instance, George W. Bush, even Karl Rove, no great liberal. Um, they are all trying to get the House to do something close to what the Senate did with normal negotiations. And uh, you have this very, very conservative Republican majority. For the first time, frankly, in, in many years, the House couldn't pass a farm bill, an agriculture bill. And they finally passed one by leaving out the food stamp program entirely, as if it would end, which no one is for. The food stamp program, by the way, was originally called the Dole-McGovern Bill, because former Senator Bob Dole, the Republican nominee for president not that long ago, was a major sponsor of it. So you you have had a a sharpening there, particularly as the Republican Party has moved to a position, as a number of people have said, Ronald Reagan would would be... uh, and not nearly conservative enough if you look at his policies for the current <laughs> Republicans. Yeah. But, you know, Gallup has reported that Congress ha- now has a, uh, a less than 15 percent approval rating. And I think it's very easy to point the finger at the other side. But but isn't it also true that many of these bills are so convoluted and overburdened that there's a good chance that there's going to be something objectionable buried in every one of them, which really puts an elected official in a quandary. I mean, no, they, I they, disagree. Very, we disagree. Uh, we very have thousand-page bills going through. We we have. Yes. I mean, the, the and very often people complain they're not big enough. In the Senate, the immigration bill got bigger because the conservatives said we need many, many more pages and much, much more billions uh, to protect the border. But I want to disagree with you saying it's easy to point the finger. 
do you think it's never the case that one side is more to blame than another? You know, when I was a kid in school, one of the things I most hated was when two or three of the students would misbehave and the teacher would then punish the whole class. Punish everybody, that's, yeah. That's the easy way. Out. Well, I, I, I don't think people should do that. I, I think it's, it's very clear that it has been the Republicans who have moved further to the right. And as I said again, uh, Bob Dole... Uh, Bob Dole was a strong supporter of a treaty, international treaty, to protect the rights of the disabled. And uh, he went on the Senate floor at 89 years old in his wheelchair uh, to try and urge his colleagues, just by his presence, he couldn't speak, to ratify it. Overwhelmingly, the Republicans rejected it. Secondly, as to the bills being big, um, very often people think, well, you left stuff out. Um, When we did the financial reform bill, yes, it was a big bill, but here's the deal. The financial reform bill is the equivalent of about eight different pieces of legislation that were passed under the New Deal, and a filibuster comes into it. Originally, the committee I chaired passed ten separate bills on banks, on derivatives, on consumer protection, on uh, banning uh, abusive subprime mortgages, but the Senate leadership said, you know what, it's very hard to get 60 votes. It gets into the filibuster, and it's bad enough to have to get 60 votes once. We can't do it 10 times. Um, the other thing is, it, 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 yes, bills have always been less than perfect. Uh, you have 435 members of the House, 100 senators, a very big country, and the notion that nobody can vote for something unless he or she approves of every single piece of it, that's a recipe for the kind of gridlock. Because well, that's exactly have, my country- point. But that's the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm making is, is in addition to, uh, you know, regular politics where you're just uh, reflexively opposing whatever the party puts, other party puts on the table, I do think that complexity, you know, complexity itself can lead to gridlock. We well, can have a situation be- where... You know, it's e- it's easy to blame the Republicans, Democrats, blame the Democrats, the Democrats blame the Republicans. Let's just set that aside for a moment. No, I, I disagree you, with you. When you're, you have thousand, out. but when you have thousand page bills, when you have bills that arrive in someone's office and they have a day or two to really go over them, I mean, this is just isn't realistic. All right, those are two separate points you've made. The latter one has no relevance here to the immigration bill or the financial reform bill. We had maybe 30 hearings on the financial reform bill. We had uh, 10 separate committee votes. We had days of debate. That bill did not appear uh, out of the blue on anybody. I agree. Similarly with the immigration bill. That was very, uh, they had long hearings and debates. The point I'm making is this. In a country of this size, no one in any bill is going to like every, or very few, or you're going to like every single thing that's in it. That's right. And if you take the position that I'm only voting for perfect, that's the opposite of compromise. The other thing I would disagree with, you say, oh, let's put aside blame. No, that's the reality. The fact is, as I said, and I think it's very clear, if you, and generally been observed, the Republican Party has been dominated now by the Tea Party faction. Let's look at the House. John Boehner, the Speaker of the House. John Boehner is a mainstream conservative Republican. He's been very frustrated by his inability to get... Uh, a majority of the Republicans to uh, uh, to vote for things. And you talk about partisanship. When George Bush was president in 2008, just before the presidential election of 2008, he came to the 
House run by the Democrats and the Senate run by the Democrats, we were the majority, and said, we have a financial crisis, I need help. And we worked with him. And when the votes came up on the things that George Bush and his Secretary of the Treasury <coughs> and his Federal Reserve Chair said we needed to help deal with the crisis, he got a majority of Democrats, but a majority of Republicans opposed him. The Democrats saved the George Bush program from right-wing Republican sabotage. But I, I think there's no question that these many of the issues that Congress is dealing with are so complex. Uh, we Even in the Democratic Party, we have Pelosi putting her hand on the health care bill and saying, I'm really glad we passed it, so now we can read it and understand what's in it. I mean, you, how do you explain that? that? But you're, wrong, you're wrong about immigration to make that claim. You're wrong about financial reform. And the other point is this. Yes, bills are complex because the problems are complex. I understand uh, that, but with, they're, they're well, jam-packed. Are you then saying that they're uh, jam-packed you, you want a simple, with so many things that... Do you want a simple bill to deal with complex problems? You know what? A, a, a simple bill that, that the person on the street could understand wouldn't be the worst thing that happened to us, I don't think. Well, there I again disagree with you. That's not the way uh, our system of government works. The average person on the street has a lot of things to do. They have family they have family issues, they have job issues. They elect people to be specialists. No, I don't I, but I'll go back to the financial reform bill. We had a year's worth of hearings. Yes, it was complex. Each piece of it was dealt with separately. It was put together as one bill. Uh, but no, I don't expect I, the, the derivative issue, credit to false swaps, very complicated. The fact is there were no rules governing them. So AIG well, we have others- to okay, we, we have to take a commercial break. But when we come back, I do want to talk about the the uh, Dodd-Frank Act. And, and I'd like to know, and, and I want to tell you that when we come back, this is what I'm going to ask you. I'd like to know that in retrospect, as you look at it, do you feel the b- bill went too far? Because a lot of people are saying that the bill became too restrictive. And I'd like to know many years later, as you stand back and look at that bill, if you have that feeling as well. You mean the people who caused the problem in the first place, <laughs> they can't make as much money now as they used to? Well, maybe to that's the case. We're, we're going to yes, take one. Well, let's talk about it. We're going to take one last break, and then we'll come back to the Financial Reform Act. You're listening to the I'm Costa here today Report. With Scott Caraccioli of Caraccioli Sellers. Now, everyone knows that my favorite is your Pinot Noir, but Caraccioli's known for a lot more than that. It's really the bubbles that kind of differentiates what we're doing in the area as opposed to a lot of our peers. And the way that we looked at it was there's great Chardonnay and Pinot Noir fruit in the Santa Lucia Highlands in the greater Monterey County. And we wanted to be able to utilize those grapes and showcase them in a little bit different light. And to do that comes a little bit of a laborious process in terms of making sparkling wine and doing A little it. bit? A lot of bit, <laughs> but still definitely worth the trouble and worth the wait. Um, we're currently selling 2006 and 2007 sparkling wines in the beginning of 2013. So it kind of tells you the time invested as well as all of the different techniques that we use and Michelle implements to ensure that we're delivering a quality product. Thank you for being with us again, Scott. Thank you, Rebecca. What does your website do for you? Does it simplify doing business and automate routine tasks? 
Does it connect with your target audience and bring new business? If you can't answer yes, then you need to contact Sunstar Media. Located on the Monterey Peninsula for over 17 years, Sunstar Media has developed websites for startups, brick-and-mortar stores, to corporations on the stock market. What makes Sunstar different is the customization that goes into every site, tailored to each client's unique needs and vision. Sunstar's experienced pros keep you ahead of the game with their custom-fit development process for website applications that cater to your company's specific needs. Learn more at sunstarmedia.com. Mention you heard this ad on the Rebecca Costa Show and get a free web analysis report on your current site or a free web consultation for your next project. Let's discuss how Sunstar can help you. Reach out to us at sunstarmedia.com. If you want to work until you drop, reduce your standard of living in retirement or lose more of your hard-earned money in the stock market, then just ignore me. But if you'd like to generate a steady, predictable income, I'm talking real wealth and financial security for as long as you live, then listen to this. A free report is now available that reveals the money-making secrets Wall Street and the banks don't want you to know. This report reveals how you can get guaranteed growth, safety, and wealth-building power without risking your hard-earned money in the Wall Street casino. How you can bypass banks and credit cards and become your own source of financing. And how to get the money you need when you need it, simply by asking for it. This is the best way to have a 100% secure retirement and know your money will last as long as you do. And it beats the pants off any IRA or 401k. To learn more about this method and to get your free special report, visit bankonyourself.com right now. That's bankonyourself.com. www.bankonyourself.com. Imagine me, a dog, moving in with a human. I didn't know how it would work. Turns out, my human's pretty entertaining. For instance, every time I give my human his ball, he throws it as far as he can. And I'm like, dude, that's your ball. So I go get it. But he just throws it. Again. I gotta say, though, the more he does it, the funnier it is. I love my human. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. Sean. Yes, dear? I went onto our website out in santacruz.com and listened to last week's show. What'd you think? Listening to Molly and Molly Jean makes me really optimistic about our future. Yeah, and there are so many more amazing young leaders out there. It was really clear that having strong, positive adults in their lives really made a difference. That's why this week we'll be talking with some adults working with LGBTQ youth in this county. Tune in to Out in Santa Cruz, Saturdays at 7 p.m. on KSCO AM 1080. I'm Sean. And I'm Steph. And and you've been queered. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is former Congressman Barney Frank. Well, one of your legacies has been the reforms you instituted in the financial industry following the subprime mortgage fiasco. And uh, today, if you ask any realtor banker, I'm not talking about the executives of the large financial institutions, but just a, a realtor or banker on the street, they'll tell you that it's become so difficult to get a home or a business loan these days. And the kind of credit needed to invest in real estate or for businesses to expand, it just isn't there anymore. So do you feel in any way that the Dodd-Frank Act overshot, or is the banking industry overreacting to regulation? First, did they tell you what in the bill restricts them? Because there is only one thing in the bill that is restrictive regarding those kinds of loans. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, there are two. First, particularly for larger institutions, 
we have said that they have to have more capital behind themselves. Um, by the way, I wonder if any of those people told you five, six, and seven years ago that practices were irresponsible and going to cause problems, because that's what happened, and this is all a response to that. Um, with regard to loans, the only specific thing we put in there is that those subprime loans that you mentioned that were irresponsible, that were being made to people who had very little chance of repaying them, that's the only prohibition in there. And the other thing we did was this. The biggest single problem came during the first part of, well, the latter part of the last century and the first part of this one, when we changed the way loans were being made, or the private sector did. Mm -hmm. Forty years ago, if you borrowed money, you borrowed it from the person you were going to have to pay back. Yes. And if I lend you money and I'm expecting you to pay me back, I'm going to be careful. Then they invented, the private sector, securitization, whereby they made lots of loans and then sold the right to be repaid to other people. And at that point, they did not care as much if it was repaid. In other words, they made a fee from getting the loan, and then somebody else had the responsibility for collecting. Sure, they so bundled the them up as derivatives, and they sold them over and over and, and over. And the quality again. of loans severely deteriorated. They sold them as derivatives, and then other people insured them in credit default swaps. Mm -hmm. So we did two things. We said, first of all, that you can't make those kinds of loans that, unless the person can show that they can repay them. Secondly, we put in what we call risk retention. If you're going to securitize loans now, if you're going to take a package of loans that somebody made and sell them, you are responsible for 5% of the losses. That's not all crippling, but it gives you back the incentive not to make bad loans. Those are the only things in the bill that restrict lending. Now, we do say with regard to derivatives that we want them to go on exchanges where possible, and we require that if you are buying or selling derivatives, you show that you have the capital to back it up. What happened with the crisis was AIG in particular sold a lot of what they called credit default swaps, mm -hmm. which are forms of insurance. Basically, AIG said to people, yeah, you bought this security with these loans that shouldn't have been made, and if those securities don't pay off, we will pay you off. That's what a credit default swap is. It, it takes care of the default. Right. AIG, it turns out, was way overextended, when they went to the Bush administration and said, we can't pay our debts, it turned out they owed nearly $200 billion and didn't even know how much they owed. So we have said, look, if you're going to do these things, you have to make sure that you have the capital to do them, and we would like them to be done on an exchange. But there were no other prohibitions, again, except for the prohibition against exactly the kind of subprime loans you talked about. We have said, you can make any loan you want, but please stand behind it to the extent of 5%. It used to be you stood behind it 100%. So, um, I, I'm, and by yeah. the way, I also disagree, yeah. you know, that the economy has been choked off. As a matter of fact, the economy is now recovering. The stock market, for example, is uh, way ahead of where it was. Uh, we had other problems. Our biggest, biggest problem was not America, but Europe, mm -hmm. because America does more business with Europe than with anybody else. But let's, let's, talk a, let's talk for a minute about that financial reform, because I'm observing a very strange type of phenomena that's going on with lenders right now. And that is that... I can't make sense of why a bank would make a home loan for 3 and 4% when they can get 79% on a credit card today. 
I need someone to answer that question for me, because what I see happening is the subprime mortgage fiasco has just changed, uh, changed its costume. I see the same phenomena happening with credit cards right now, where credit cards up for five and ten thousand dollars are being issued to people with no assets, no jobs, college students now on average well, have three to four credit cards. And may so credit is available, but it's not available. May I ask for, you a question? Yes. Do you uh, think the bill didn't go far enough in? Should it have been more complex? Should we have regulated credit cards? <laughs> well, I think that's what you, you're not uh, I, I knew you were getting. I knew. I knew well, that was the, coming. They they the to, way, they the told bill, me watch did, out because he'll he'll turn did, it right uh, back let's on talk, you. Let's talk substance. We don't have that much time. <laughs> uh, the fact is that we did pass a credit card bill when the Democrats took over over Republican opposition that limits makes it much harder to sell than the college students. You're right. There were some real limits in there. Not, that's not in the financial reform bill. It's in a separate credit card yes. bill that limits the amount that people can, uh, the, the freedom with which you can send them to sell them to college students and people underage. There's some requirement in the, in the credit card bill that you have to see that people have an income to pay them back. We also, in that bill, we changed the practice. The credit card companies used to have a deal where if you had a balance with them, and you got into a dispute with somebody else financially, even if you had been paying your credit card bill without a miss for, for years, they could retroactively raise the interest rate on what you owed them. We outlawed that. That was specifically uh, prohibited. But as far as uh, the loans are concerned, um, the fact is that... I, I have almost- to argue, I have to argue, Mr. Frank, there is no oversight over that bill right now. Because well, if someone is, now, is late, if someone is late on one payment on one credit card, the credit card companies across the board will raise rates. Oh, you missed my point. May I restate it? Yes. We did not say no. We aren't protecting people if they are late on the uh, on the credit card. What they used to have was what they called a universal default. If you had a dispute with somebody else, yes, and that was reported to the credit bureau. They raise the rate retroactively on your on your interest. The I other understand. thing we said is, if they raise your rate going forward, they have to give you sixty days notice, and you can go elsewhere. But the point is, when you say people can't get home loans, in fact, that's not statistically true. Home loans are going up. The housing sector activity in the housing sector is increasing now. Some of it that used to happen, the subprime loans have been banned. And some bankers have said to me, well, wait a minute, you're telling me that if I make a loan and sell it, I have to keep some responsibility if it goes bad, yes. I'm not going to make it. And my answer is good, because if you're not reasonably <laughs> confident that that loan's going to pay off, I don't want you to make it. Well, I understand that, and I understand that the reforms are were designed to make sure that uh, banks couldn't make loans irresponsibly and resell them and abdicate the responsibility. There's no other it. restriction in the bill on their ability to lend. I understand. Except insofar as, and it really hits the bigger banks more than the small ones, they have to have more capital than they used to have. That is, that in case they get in trouble, we want them to be able to pay for it themselves before they start complaining to other people. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, we're out of time. I I really wish I had more time to speak to you because you are one of the hardest working people that we've ever had on the hill and they warned well, me you. that that uh, if if uh if there was an opportunity for you to catch me and tri- and trip me up on something that that uh, you would do it with such good cheer. <laughs> Well, that's very good. I apologize. For no, no, I, I really appreciate you I'll making you what, time I'm, to be with us. I'm not working as hard as I used to. If you want to call me in a couple of months, we'll do it again. All right. That sounds terrific. Thank you for being Thank with you. us today, Mr. You're Frank. Welcome. 
if your station is leaving us after this hour and you'd like to comment on today's program, you can email me at RebeccaCosta.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. We're pretty much everywhere on the net and easy to find. And if you missed the full interview with Congressman Frank today, you can download the program from our website, Apple iTunes, Podbeam, as well as our brand new YouTube channel. I also want to take an opportunity to thank our technical staff for jumping on the technical problem we had at the beginning of the program. Uh, They worked tirelessly to keep our live program going week after week, and they have my heartfelt appreciation. And I want to thank Mr. Frank for calling back into the program and uh, giving us a wonderful interview during the first hour. Next week, we have a very special treat in store for you. I'll be reporting live from the G20 Summit in London, where I've been invited to speak. We'll be taking a look at some of the issues facing other economies around the world and their impact on the United States. So don't miss our coverage from the G20 Summit right here on the Costa Report, the one program you can count on to put principles ahead of politics. Now stay tuned for the second hour of the Costa Report when we hear what listeners have to say. love creating salads as much as you enjoy eating them? Hi, I'm Amy Tobin, cookbook author and culinary expert. Dole inspires fresh and wholesome dishes for any meal with their wide selection of salad blends and all-natural salad kits. From the mild and tender texture of sweet butter lettuce to the crunch of classic romaine sprinkled with colorful shredded carrots and red cabbage, Dole has over 30 salad blends to satisfy every palate. If you're looking for the ultimate in convenience, try Dole's unique salad kit combinations that include farm-fresh lettuces and vegetables, mouth-watering all-natural toppings, and specially made dressings. It's all you need to make a distinctively delicious salad. The possibilities are endless. Visit www.dolesalads.com for recipes and other ideas to feed your culinary imagination. Tune in to the Sentinel Radio Program Saturday morning at 8 a.m. right here on AM 1080 KSCO. Brought to you by First Church of Christ Scientist Monterey. Come into our Christian Science Community Reading Room and Bookstore and find comfort from the challenges you're facing. We have the resources that will connect you with your God-given substance. Find help now. Our address is 780 Abrego Street in Monterey. Reach out for this help today. Come in and visit or call 831-372-5076. 372 it's 6.42 p.m. Time for Steve Plato and his son Dylan to do the dishes. They talk about everything from the yuckiness of girls to the awesomeness of his soccer team. Sometimes they don't talk at all. Then, hey! the dreaded <laughs> splash fight. It's dad o'clock, and it's the best time of the day. 
because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. From San Jose to Salinas, Red Hot News Talk, AM 1080, KSCO Santa Cruz. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.